I'm Taj, and this is the Bible Gone Podcast. I want to wish you a happy Monday, or a happy whatever day you're listening to this. Today, we will discuss that psalms are songs, and that's a tongue twister. We'll see an example of the 80-20 rule, and we'll see that the Lord has haters. But first, I want my Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum. All those things that I have just mentioned can be seen in Psalm 81, which is another psalm of Asaph. In case you're wondering why it seems like I'm going through all the psalms, it's because I read the Bible in order. Usually, I do this in order to keep things into context. I don't like to hop around or skip around reading random verses and chapters and losing the context of the lessons. However, psalms are usually self-containing. You could pick up a random psalm and get everything that you need from it. But I have decided to go through these psalms of Asaph because each one of them is a little piece of a larger picture. The first one I covered just fit in so perfectly with current events that I just continued to go through them. But regardless of the current events, these are gems and there's a lot to be learned from them. Since Psalm 81 is only 16 verses, I will actually read them. Bear with me, my voice is no James Earl Jones. However, I think you can stick it out with me for 16 verses. I'll just make sure I'm properly hydrated, that way my voice won't make any unexpected turns to a high note. So let's begin at verse 1. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed, on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel, and a law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony, when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered unto the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I approved thee at the waters of Meribah. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shall thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and that Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies, and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. The first three verses establishes the fact that psalms are songs, specifically songs to a stringed instrument such as a harp. Illustrating the fact that God enjoys music, verse 2 has several instruments mentioned. A timbrel is a small percussion instrument, much like a little drum. A harp should be familiar to you if you've ever seen cartoons. It's usually what angels are playing. Harps come in many sizes. I've seen some that are so big that you need a pickup truck to carry them, and I've also seen pictures of some little ones that are the size of a little guitar or ukulele. And as far as what a psaltery is, I'm not exactly sure. I know it's a stringed instrument. However, you know it's ancient because it has a silent P at the beginning. Just like the word psalm, psaltery starts with a P-S. When I was younger, I always thought it was fun to say psalms, but the P is silent, just like psaltery. And verse 3 has an instrument that we should all be familiar with, a trumpet. So a few thousand years ago, when this psalm was written, it would be sung by the people of Israel and accompanied by a wide array of instruments. This would especially be the case on feast days such as in verse 4 and 5. Throughout the Old Testament, when God miraculously delivered his people, 
He often commanded them to have a feast in commemoration of the event. Many of these feasts are still kept by the Jews today. That is similar to New Testament Christians who observe the Lord's Supper or the Communion in remembrance of Jesus dying for our sins. As often as we do it in the New Testament, we do it in remembrance of Him, and the feasts held by the Jews, usually annually, are done in remembrance of something that God did for them at a specific time and place in history. Going back to verse 7, if you look at the last word in the verse, you will see Selah. Oftentimes, you'll see this word at the end of a verse in the Psalms. In case you're wondering what it is or who is Selah, it's actually not a person or a thing. Selah is some sort of musical direction, which most likely means a pause, while other sources say it is a musical direction meaning raise the voices. But either way, it is simply direction for performing the psalm and does not change the meaning of the text. And throughout the psalms, the word occurs more than 70 times. From verse 8 through 14, the 80-20 rule can be observed. In case you're wondering what the 80-20 rule is, Originally, it was an observation by an Italian man that noticed that 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the people. In case you're wondering what land ownership has to do with this passage, technically nothing. However, the 80-20 rule is used in modern times in many ways. For example, 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. Or, 80% of your results will come from 20% of your efforts. And the example most fitting for this passage is in a relationship. Oftentimes in a relationship, you hear about the 80-20 rule. It's usually in reference to a partner that wanders, seeking the 20% that they're not getting from their current partner. In doing so, the partner leaves the 80% that they have, seeking pleasure from the 20% their partner lacks. And more often than not, when they find someone with the 20% they desire, they quickly realize they have bigger problems than they started with. And as you can see in verse 9, Israel pursued strange gods. Forsaking the goodness of their God in verse 10, for their lust that could be fulfilled by another God in verse 12. And, as expected, Israel found themselves in some serious trouble by the end of the passage. And, of course, the haters of the Lord are illustrated in verse 15. So, putting it all together, this psalm, or song, illustrates the fact Israel turned their backs on their God in order to pursue their own lusts. And yes, even the Lord has his haters. So, whatever you're pursuing in life, Ask yourself, is it worth it? Are you pursuing the 80 or the 20? Far too often is human nature to live in the moment pursuing the 20 and forsaking the 80. It is not a wise decision. There may be some things you don't like about following God at the moment. However, in the long run and in the big picture, it is the best decision you can make. You can hate the game, but don't hate the Lord. Seek Him while He may be found. I truly hope I've given you something to think about and chew on for the rest of the day. As always, I welcome your feedback, questions, and comments. You can find additional information at BibleGum.org or on Twitter and Instagram at BibleGumPodcast. And remember, share your BibleGum with a friend. You can listen and share for free on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast app. Thanks for listening. Until next time, later.